Rule Galloway, spinners of yarns with author Jim Westover, who's just had his first book, Pen Knife. That's it. Published. Hello, Jim. How are you? Very good, Rob. Uh, nice, nice to meet you properly after yeah, yeah. speaking online. And so it's kind of like the, the podcast is really centres about subcultures of the 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 seventies and the the eighties. So uh, where were you born? Where, where, where are you originally from? Uh, originally, I was born near uh, Tunbridge Wells in Kent, and uh, lived there till I was five or six, and then moved to Essex small village called Tolsbury and then later briefly Colchester and then by the time I was seven Brightlingsea a small town near Colchester on the coast and I lived there till I was early 20s running off. So Brightlingsea that is where the book is based? Yeah where most of the book is based yeah it's a, the character uh, young Jared 16 year old leaves school and uh, comes back to Brightlingsea from, from a boarding school. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, as I said, the, the book kind of mirrors your your life to a to a point. Obviously, yeah, there's yeah. a bit of the, a bit of fiction yeah, to yeah, uh, to make yeah, it a bit more interesting. So, yeah. when, when when did music become of interest to you? Um, very early on. I mean, I can remember probably buying a first record about aged uh, ten, nine, nine, about nineteen seventy eight or so. But I'd also been given like hand-me-down records and a record player and old sort of one of those old things gramophone things where you lift up the lid so I had some records that weren't necessarily to my taste but I had something to play and then buying singles and stuff from about the age of 10 and uh, ever since basically I've been into it collecting it so where, where would you buy your singles from uh it was in Colchester even uh Boots for example WJ Smith those places but also record shops independent record shops in Colchester, one called Phase One, I remember, Lion Records. Yeah, there was quite a few around, Parrot Records in Colchester, there was a few around at that time. So when, uh, do you remember what the first ones were? I do, yeah, the first single I bought was, um, not a great one, but it c- comes back to being into reggae later on, which is probably Double A Side, Brown Girl in the Ring and Rivers of Babylon, yeah, but yeah. yeah. Uh, the Baron Knights, which is quite funny to say now. Yeah. Uh, uh, in the Navy by the village people, but this is very young. And then a bit after that, I remember the getting the great rock and roll swindle. The, yeah, uh, yeah. The soundtrack. Seventy eight. Yeah. 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 So that was probably the first LP that I can remember getting. Yeah. Yeah. So and and I've not, I never owned the bollocks, but I did own the great rock same and roll here. swindle. Yeah. The same here. Yeah. yeah. You know. Yeah. So it, were you a punk then or? Um, I was interested in it. I was a bit too young to be a punk, but my yeah. uncle, who's only six and a half years older than me, uh, he lives in Tunbridge Wells, he was into it. So from him, I was hearing the Sex Pistols, yeah. the Stranglers, the Undertones, the Sham 69, all of those bands around sort of late 70s. And he was a big influence because he, he would sometimes make a compilation cassette with some of those singles off it. And so... Uh, yeah, he was a big influence on my taste, basically. So I was aware of quite a bit of it, yeah. yeah. A later punk, not, not 77 or 79 onwards, yeah. I guess. What, what did you have to do then uh, of, uh, as, as a kid in Brightlingsea, uh, as a, a teenager, a young teenager? Um, playing football, mostly. Playing football nearly every day. Yeah. Collecting some music, and then you, when you had a bit of money or on the weekend, you'd get the bus to Colchester. Right. Uh, and buy, buy records where you could wander around just wander around precincts and stuff like that just um, 
you're taking in a bigger town really but in Brightling City itself playing football swimming in the sea you also had an outdoor swimming pool there riding around on bikes that sort of thing I mean yeah, that, at that age sort of from, from sort of 8 or 9 up to sort of 12, 13 I guess yeah yeah so when, when, was there a youth club? Yeah, there was a youth club. I didn't start going to that because I, I was at boarding school from 11, right. 11 till 16. So I was always a bit out on a limb and I'd come back and have to catch up with my mates. Yeah. I always felt a little bit left out. But um, yeah, there was a boarding school, um, sorry, boarding school, a youth club next to the school, yeah. which was two doors down from my house. So from age sort of um, 15, 16 or so, we'd go to the to the youth club for a year or two, yeah, yeah. How, how was that then for you as an 11-year-old taken, being taken away from your friends to uh, to go to a boarding school? How did you find that? Um, I didn't want to go. I was remember just protesting. I just remember being at the last school, year of junior school and just feeling completely left out because everyone was talking to going to the senior school, which yeah. was in Brightlingsea as well. Um, and, and talking about the, the sort of excitement around that or how's it going to be and the older kids and thinking I'm not part of that and why have I been picked out to go to a boarding school which I didn't want to go to it was yeah. a, a state school a board, uh, council school so it wasn't like it wasn't private or you know, posh or, yeah, or yeah. money involved or anything but um, yeah I was gutted really I didn't want to go there but uh, yeah yeah, I didn't want to go there how, how were you then at, at school? At boarding school? As, uh, yeah, as a, as a pupil. <laughs> Quite naughty, really. Uh, I think that the first year, I, we, we were, that's when they still had corporal punishment. And actually, the school I went to, it, had a, it was in, actually in the Sun and the newspapers around 1980 for having like really high record of caning kids. I don't know yeah. how they got hold of the records or who leaked it or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So we were, I, was a, I did get caned, but I was sort of in fear of that really when they lifted that the following year I, I obviously that, that, that reduced my I don't agree with corporal punishment but that reduced my fear factor of teachers and stuff yeah. I was quite naughty and later on getting suspended and um, yeah quite rebellious I guess yeah yeah um, yeah so you, you were then the, the the boss or with its features in the book yeah that's like a young offenders play. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was in, yeah I was in a young Offenders Youth Custody Centre later on, that was in uh, 88. Yeah. Okay, and what age were you at, the, at this point? Yeah, 19 then. 19? Yeah. Yeah, I was, um, got into some trouble and I was in um, a bail hostel for six months and during yeah. that time I think I turned 19 and I was in a youth jail for six and a half months and I was 19 then, yeah. yeah. So and that, because it's kind of like central point to the, the book. That, yes, that's, yeah. You, yeah. You've, you've left school... Yeah, and uh, you you've gone back to Brightland Sea. Yes. Uh, were you working at that point? Or? Um. Yeah, I was. I mean, how I've how I've done it in the book, really, what I've fictionalised, I've sort of condensed what happened, and obviously with fictionalising, so it didn't all happen to me, but a lot of it did. Between sort of ages of sixteen to twenty, over four years, I've condensed that into two, right, to make it uh, a better story, a tighter story. So. Yeah. Uh, Jared, the character in the book, doesn't do much work, but in reality, I did do more. <laughs> I mean, I did a year uh, YTS as a general builder, basically labouring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I managed to scan that a bit because I was obviously, as you probably know, you were getting like twenty six pounds a week. I managed to claim claim twenty or thirty good a week travel, so I was able to boost it to what I thought was a was a more uh, uh, fitting wage for doing, you know, for for for. for for labouring and shoveling yeah. and that for 
you know, 30, 40 hours a week. So, yeah, yeah I'd scan the travel to, to get a bit more money. But yeah, I did a year of ITS and yeah. labouring was what I mostly did. And then later on, 18 old, I worked in a factory, which is also fictionalised in the, in the story, which was... Um, company in Brightling see they got a contract from British Telecom to do the sort of the sort of plugs where the sockets where the, where it goes into the wall where you plug the landline in yeah and uh, they just took on anybody pretty much and that's I sort of played with that a bit in the book the idea that everyone was you know not everybody was actually employable even if they were even if there were lots of jobs going yeah. so yeah I also spent quite different periods on the dole but yeah that was work-wise it was either labouring or factory yeah yeah so then, because one of the features in the book is with regards to what we've done as well in the past week, is that the, you, you've got certain songs that uh, yes, that's you right, know, yeah. kind of like marry with your your your, your time zones within yeah. the book. Yeah. So you, yeah. you, you never you, you like punk, but you never became punk. No, I was never actually a punk. But interestingly, or you know, going back to my uncle again, JB, yeah. his name is. He had a, he ended up having a a music shop in Tunbridge Wells for many years, and then. One day I went down there and he was wearing like an anti Noah League badge. And I was quite impressed because I'd read about them in sounds and, and yeah, whatever. Yeah. And uh, he said, well, yeah, I know them. I, I'll, I'll introduce them to them. So I used to hang around his shop yeah. um, in Tunbridge Wells. And uh, he said, I'll probably turn up at some point. And obviously they didn't all turn up together. But PJ yeah. did the drummer and then Winston, who was a character, the bass player. Another time I met Animal. So I was a big fan of the anti Noah League. I really, they were like, I was only... When I first sort of met them, I was only like 13 or 14. So I was really impressed with this, with, with my uncle knowing these people. And yeah. They looked you know, they looked like proper punk rock and roll little bikers, whatever that you want to describe it. But they looked like proper characters. So I was like a bit in awe of the end, you know. Really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, the first couple of singles were really big singles. Yeah, at, that's right. At yeah, the time. yeah, 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 yeah. It was, I mean, when I first met them, I can't quite remember. I think it was more, probably around the time of, I hate people, which is the second single yeah. around that time. Yeah. yeah. So then yeah. you were obviously reading because we spoke about it yeah. before. You were reading uh, the music papers. How, yeah. How how did you make your selection at that point? And of of choosing what to buy, yeah. what records to buy. No, which magazine? Ah, or what, which, which paper? Which, which paper did did you choose to? Yeah. You know, what, you know, let's say it was sounds because he yeah. told me it was sounds. It was sounds. Why, why did he choose sounds rather than the enemy or melody maker? I think it definitely would have been. It was sounds, but it would have been between sounds and enemy. I think because having access to both, even at like even at the boarding school, we had. I think we had either both enemy and sounds in the library, or maybe one of them. There was that, and I think just from buying copies, I felt I was more interested in punk and sounds were better. For, for punk and oi music as well. I wasn't a big, big fan of that knowledgeable, but I was curious about. And I think I just, it just chimed better with my tastes and um, found uh, at that age before, found it more, yeah, more to my taste really in the writing as well. Cover more of the bands I was interested in. But ideally, I'd like to have Buck to be getting both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, you were then obviously. The, the the music papers were really driving your, your your taste or everybody's taste with yeah with regards to new bands that were coming through you know how did uh, the the youth cults of Brightland Sea take on were, were the skinheads were the punks there was a little bit I think more so in Colchester there was a lot right. of skin, lot a lot of skinheads in Colchester and yeah. people would be you know would be a bit intimidated because you go it's um, you get the bus up. What we what we'd say was uptown. Get the bus uptown. Get the get to the bus station, 
and there'd be a cafe there and there'd be skinheads all around there and it would be I never had any trouble with them, but you were aware there was a lot of them and punks in Colchester. Yeah. Riding Sea was much more watered down in the sense it's a lot smaller place and if you were walking around like a punk you'd be okay but you'd be stand out whereas it was less so in Colchester. Yeah. yeah. So what was he, the the social what 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 could he do once you reach reach the age of sixteen? What 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 was the social life living in a, a, a seaside town? Yeah, well, in Essex, a yeah, small seaside town. Not what? much really. I mean, that that point we just used to hang around the seafront. There was a shelter on the seafront where we hang around, and that's sort of features in the story a bit as well. Uh, youth club discos, community centre discos, pubs. Basically, I mean, if you went for gigs, we would go to um, Essex University, which okay. is Col- she's Colchester, yeah, yeah. not too far away. Great venue there, uh, the Art Centre in Colchester, another good venue. So when we, when I could, I, and up to London as well, I'd go and see bands when I could afford to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who was the first band you, you went to see? Um, it was Gillen. Oh, <laughs> I was. A little, I don't know. I don't know why I did it because I was. Uh, I was into two tone the specials. I love the specials and that type of music. But I think just to be contrary, or because the mates in Brighton were a little. Um, me and the good mates I was with. I, I, I was with. I think we just decided, or I don't know how it worked, to be heavy rockers. And because you had the new wave of heavy metal, yeah, yeah. British heavy metal with Saxon and Motorhead. I mean, Iron Maiden. They are good bands as well. And I think. I don't know why I, I just decided that's what I was going to do, and I ended you know, up, you know, with the jacket with the patches and all the rest of it, and the t-shirts. So the first gigs I went to were uh, Gillen yeah. at the Ipswich Gomon in the December '81. That would have been, uh, and then White Snake a few months later. Yeah. Iron Maiden on the Number of the Beast tour around that time, and uh, a UFO. Right, yeah, they yeah. were the first gigs, and they were all heavy rock, and that was all within about a. Sort of six months period, yeah. So what what made you move away from the heavy metal then? Because it's once you made your, your yeah, choices yeah. at an early age, you you generally stick with it. Yeah, you know, for, yeah, for a you, while. Do. you do. I think I just um, it was weird. Like it was hearing um, uh, a copy of a tape of Dig the New Breed by the Jam. So obviously right. the Jam, I think the Jam has split by that point, and right. it was a live album. But I just thought. It just chimed with me somehow. I just I thought, well, he's just better than what I've been listening to. I mean, I was I was always a bit. Even though I listen, even though I was a he- little heavy rocker, I knew that there. Were, I did like punk and other stuff as well. I didn't. I don't know if I was pretending that I didn't. I can't remember, but I yeah. was always open to other things. And I think it was hearing the jam, and then at some point I switched to being a mod. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I remember seeing Twisted Sister. In Twisted 19, Sister, I remember, There was a, a crossover between heavy metal rock yeah. and punk, you yeah. know, yeah. Rose yeah. Tattoo. I remember uh, them as well, yeah. You know, I do, quite, yeah. quite a big connection with street punk and, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and rock, as they say. You yeah. know? So there, there was... There was a connection. I, I think personally, I never trusted a, a man who had long hair. You know? <laughs> Although, I, I, particularly, I, I hated fellas who had rust yeah. patches on the, the back of the jacket, which uh, he seemed to have quite a lot at school. And, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, you know, everything right. was territorial. Yeah, you know, and yeah, I think yeah. that's as a person, my development came once I realised that yeah. you don't have to pigeonhole yourself. And, yeah, you know, there's a a, a wider uh, yeah. scene out there than just the one that you're involved yeah. in. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. 
So you switched from who is it the, the the next live band then after UFO when when you started to widen your taste? Yeah, it's a good point. I, mean, I think um, well, good question. I mean, um, what I remember is um, in '83 it would have been. I went to a, uh, a CND uh, like benefit mark a march and a concert, yeah, yeah. and it ended up in Brockwell Park in Brixton, and I saw the best band of the day. Most exciting was. Um, uh, Clint Eastwood and General Saint, yeah, like yeah. reggae, and I thought this was the train. That's not the train, yeah. yeah. They just had the crowd really going, and that's wasn't the first time I'd heard reggae, but it was the first live, top, yeah. live experience of reggae. And Benjamin Zephaniah was there the same yeah, day, yeah. and he was. I remember him performing. Um, this policeman keeps kicking me to death with coppers around him, and it was quite a rough atmosphere. I thought, how brave have you got to be to do that? I was so, I was so impressed with that, and. Um, uh, so I remember, I remember that concert, and then um, a bit after that, I think it uh, it may have even been that day or another. I think it was that day as well. The Style Council, their foot, I think their second ever gig. They they played two songs and yeah. got a bad. Uh, they got stuff shut at them by the fans of the Damned, and but I yeah. So I remember that day well, and I became a big Style Council fan as well. After obviously after being into Weller and the Jam, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I remember that and another. Big uh, a GLC festival, in, okay. also in Brixton with the Dan played New Model Army. Um, uh, Hazel O'Connor was there, so uh, uh, that was another big one. Um, actually, sort of paying gigs, I, I I don't remember for the next couple of years, and then I started really getting into the Pogues later on. That was around eighty six. Yeah. I was yeah. a big, big big fan of the Pogues, and there would have been other bands uh, at the university at Essex and Art Centre and stuff, but. Got a bit of a memory block on on in between that sort of eighty four between sort of eighty four and eighty six. I can't quite remember who I was seeing. Yeah, yeah. But you, you 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 know which is central to the book. And that's you in Brightland Sea, and yeah. you, you then you're maturing as a person, or maybe yeah. not maturing as yeah. a person. And you know the central theme of the book is yeah. that you by association. Yeah. You know, you land yourself into trouble, and yeah. uh, uh, yeah. you yeah, go yeah. into the. Was it Borstal? Sorry. Yeah, it was it? Well, youth custody centre. Yeah, right. I think they. I think uh, Borstals were uh, sort of. They got rid of them around. Yeah, they obviously had the film Scum around eighty. Yeah. I think around. I think around eighty one they got rid of them. Yeah. So, well, they just called them something else. Yeah. So in the Borstal, you were like, you were given like a six to two. They called it, I think, which was a. You could be there from six months to two years, depending on your behaviour. Whereas yeah. when I was there, it was actually uh, given a sentence. I was sentenced to twelve months, and you would serve half that and more if you were badly behaved. Depending, yeah. 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 How, how did you? How you weren't badly behaved because you were out after six months? Um, or were yeah. You? No, no. I did. I, I got. Um, I got into trouble. I got my nose broken. Yeah. In a fight, and that's in the book, or a yeah, version yeah. of it's yeah. in the book. So, and I was uh, given an extra. Two weeks for fighting, so I was actually six and a half months. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How did you survive then for people that haven't read the book? Ah, uh, well, in the prison. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I, what I quite liked, I, I didn't like it there, obviously, no one, nobody would, but I think I'd always been, even though I was from a small town, I'd always been travelling to London to, for gigs where I could and Carnaby Street to buy mod clothes and. I was at a boarding school with people from there from all over Essex. I wasn't yeah. small town minded. In fact, I was interested in meeting new people and from different places. I think I got on because 
Uh, there's a lot of people there from London, and they, even though they, they sort of call you a bumpkin and stuff, they accepted that I was a, a bit worldly, when, not worldly as in streetwise, but more music-wise, and, and I knew a bit, and I think capable of interesting conversations. So you sort of get drawn to more the more, the more interesting people. And um, I, think that, I think that was part of it, really. Well, certainly wasn't from being tough or anything like that, yeah. no. So do you think you were conditioned from boarding school? Uh, definitely, that's a good point. I think I think that's it. There isn't there isn't that much difference. I think that uh, it's, crap, it's crap food. Yeah. You, you're being bossed about. You've got to sleep in sort of you know in communal conditions. Just the only difference with boarding school is that you get to go home every few weeks, yeah. and you're not in theory you're not actually being punished. But I think I think so. I think I think because it was only like three or it's only four years after boarding school. I probably still had a bit of that. You know, I, I, it wasn't such a shock to be having to live like that. Yeah. 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 Do you think then, you know, something that we we did speak about, it, it reaches a point in in your life where you you, you think, what am I doing? Definitely. Where am yeah. I going? Yeah. What's yeah. my life yeah. going to be all about? Was, yeah. was that at the point when you were at the? Uh, in the, the youth custody. The youth custody. I center? think so. Yeah. I think at that point, I thought, I thought, I don't. I don't want to come back here. It did work in that sense. I thought I don't want to, I don't want to come back here. I mean, it took me a few years to, to. I mean, it, I, well, I shouldn't say too much of the book in case. Hopefully, hopefully there'll be somebody who will, will want to read it. But um, it took me a lot, a while longer than it takes the character, the the, the Jared, to sort of find a way into something else. And eventually, I went back and did um, uh, GCSEs, A levels, a degree. Yeah. Went because I, I left school with. Just one O level, so yeah, yeah. it was. It took me three odd years to to do that, but um, I I didn't go, didn't get into any more trouble, and I did, you know, eventually go back to college, educate, get educated. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I left school when I was fifteen with no qualifications. Yeah, yeah. thinking that uh, I'm Superman and uh, <laughs> yeah, everything yeah, will work out okay. Yeah, yeah. But it, it it it. I think it took me until I was. 20 before I realised I've yeah. got to do something I, yeah. I, I wasn't going to at that point I, I didn't see myself DJing when I was 30 35 40 yeah. and uh, yeah. I, I, I knew that I had to do something and that's yeah. when I did something similar to you and I, I went back to college oh, okay. and uh, yeah. got my my O grades and my Scottish hires right, okay. and then yeah. went to university so you know you you, you reach a point where you're like, what am I doing with my yeah. life? Where am yeah. I going? I've got to do something about this. I've yeah. got to get myself out and, uh, you know, look forward to, uh, yeah. you know, and yeah. give yourself some focus in life. Yeah. 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 So yeah. what did you study at university? Um, at university, I, I studied um, uh, writing and publishing and journalism because I suppose at that point I thought, even though... It, if I had my time again, I would have studied. I would have studied literature, but I thought somehow I felt uh, because I was in my twenties then. I thought, well, I should study something vocational that will lead to work. I felt yeah. that the pressure almost not from anybody, not from my mum or any family. I just thought, oh well, I can justify it because it's going to lead to a job, even though it didn't. So, yeah, I studied to journalism, which was part vocational. You do like um, the exams that qualify you to be a reporter. Yeah, yeah, that's it. yeah. That was at uni, uni yeah. How, how did you find that then? Because I, I, I went when I was 24 and it, it was a bit of a culture shock for me yeah. because, you know, I'd, uh, I'd, I had a certain amount of standing in the community yeah. in, in in Edinburgh where I was living and then suddenly I'm at the bottom of the ladder my yeah. first year, yeah. you know, yeah. and I'm like, yeah. all these kids 
yeah. like you know first time they've ever been away from the parents you know yeah, the age of yeah. 18 yeah you know yeah, and yeah. i'm like you know i moved out when i was 16 so i i i it was a struggle for the first year for me to get acclimatized and uh, you know find my feet in yeah you know, how did how did you get on um, a bit similar, I guess. I mean, I, I, before that, I'd been, to, I'd done, like I said, I did GCSEs and A levels, and it was like that was weird being sort of twenty three, twenty four, being by far the oldest person in the class. There'd be people there who were like seventeen, eighteen. But with that, and I, I managed to get through that by I managed to sign on the dole for three years while right. while doing GCSEs and A levels, which yeah, is yeah. not. It was easier then than it would be now. But you know, every few months they'd hassle you and they'd try and force you into work. But somehow I managed to. To, to to pull it off but uh the other side of it there was it was quite interesting because i've been to a school which was all boys and then to go yeah. even though they were younger girls as it were it wasn't yeah, like yeah. i was you know trying to get in with them or anything but I, I did enjoy that mixed mixed uh thing in the classroom and the same at the university but i didn't i wouldn't say i enjoyed the university that much the studying was okay but the social life and everything meant with it i didn't i felt a bit either old for it or a bit out of it it wasn't yeah. particularly my thing I was more like sticking with old mates and stuff at, uh, outside of the university yeah so what, what kind of literature did you study uh, a university yeah. and stuff um, well we, I, did, I did the journalism and publishing was the other yeah. subject so that's when I first read um, Irving Welsh at that point really, okay. because I could choose to an extent what I wanted to focus on in terms of understanding the publishing industry and that was definitely a big influence of reading Irving Welsh train spotting because I thought, oh yeah, I mean, much easier said than done, but I thought, yeah, you can write about where you're from, you can write about sort of some of the people that I knew, the anecdotes, your mates, and um, it just seemed possible at that point, like, having read that, and, it, and like I said, it took me many years to sort of get to a good standard, but it, that was an influence, yeah. How was the, uh, did, how, how did you get on with the, the language? Ah, uh, with, with transporting yeah. and stuff. Because um, I, I was, because I grew up in, yeah. in Scotland, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I knew the words that were were coming out when I was reading it, but yeah. I could see, you know, somebody yeah, from yeah. England really struggling in some of the the local Edinburgh twang. Oh, I know, I did. I mean, I did definitely a first, definitely a first. Yeah, it took it took some uh, getting used to, but I just found some of the. The scenarios, you know, young people in pubs and getting into bits of trouble, the, yeah. the stuff with the signing on, and I thought, that's, I can recognise that life, that, that speaks yeah, to yeah. me more than most things that I read, really, at least, at least around that time. Yeah. It got me back into reading, I think. Yeah. Now, reading's, you know, it's a very important uh, yeah. uh, subject, you know, you kind of like, you, uh, turn off your televisions is what I always yeah. say. Yeah. So yeah. if uh, you then left, university yeah. what 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 did you do next um i struggled really because i thought i thought somehow if i got a degree then i'd get a graduate job at the guardian on yeah, a monday yeah. media yeah. job and everything would be would be all right but i'm also um uh, i've got dyspraxia as well so my coordination's bad so i couldn't yeah. i couldn't do shorthand as fast as you're supposed to to be a proper reporter. I couldn't do the graphic design which you were supposed to need to on the course. I had to like get a bit of help with them. So I wasn't yeah. really set up for a work in that yeah. in that environment. So I could and and also I didn't working on a local paper was poorly paid and I did have some experience of work experience and stuff. So I was stuffed for a while and and that's when I um, 
started to think about writing because I tried to reassess my life then and I thought that was where the beginnings of the novel Penknife came really. I yeah. started to, to write down some memories of my life after leaving school and how did I end up in here? That's why I started to look at that. But um, work-wise, I ended up getting into temping. I worked at um, Royal Mail, Parcel Force, yeah. telemarketing on the phones, which were all quite interesting experiences, yeah. really. And then eventually I got a job um, working on a night shift doing writing summaries of newspaper articles, which okay. is like press cutting, and I did that for many years, yeah. So, but that's that's when going back to the, the yeah. abraxia, when when did you Oh the dyspraxic, dis, the dyspraxia, yeah, dyspraxia. Yeah, when when did you discover that and how how did that affect your life up until that point? Well, it, I think because I was a bit naughty at school, but I think and I, you know, I was rebellious and wasn't the best student, but I think I would have done better had I been been able to write properly. I think that's yeah. what it was. I couldn't write fast enough in yeah. the exams, it was illegible and I was always uh, quite good at English and I'd done well in the coursework yeah, and yeah. I was engaged yeah. we had sort of you know left wing encouraging teachers who gave you good stuff to read when they were able to and, I, and then I, I completely messed up the exams and I think it, so it affected me in a really really big way and I, I couldn't write fast and legible it was yeah, just yeah. a scrawl and I think that's that didn't really get picked up until I went back to college in my 20s and they can't quite remember this, this the um how it happened, but I saw an educational psychologist and I was tested and they said, yeah, you're dyspraxic and we, you're going to be allowed to have an extra 20% time in your exams. Okay. So when I did A-levels, in a, say a three-hour exam, I'd be getting an extra 45 minutes or so and that helped me to feel more relaxed and... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, do, do you know what the root cause then would be of... I don't really know. I don't. I, think, I guess you may be something that you're born with, really, a co yeah. coordination problem and that was... That and being being clumsy, going into building work, and clearly not being cut out for it. Yeah. I, mean, I had the strength to, to to mix cement and barrows and fill up skips and stuff, but I just did not have the the uh, the the brain. Well, I didn't. I wasn't fit. Wasn't uh, what's the word? It wasn't. I wasn't the right person to be a plasterer or a proper painter or any of those things. I just wasn't kitted out for it really. So that that was probably partly dyspraxia coordination. I yeah, just, yeah. Wasn't that wasn't me really? Even though I wanted it to be. <laughs> How were you then at playing football since the mountain? <laughs> you, you, you were a bit clumsy. Yeah. You know, if, uh... I wasn't too bad. I think. Well, I wasn't great. I managed to get in the school team, but then okay. a boarding a boarding school. Yeah. You only had like they were only choosing from like 40, 50 boys and it, to, to get an eleven. And yeah. If you were choosing from like a comp, you're probably choosing from. 120, I probably wouldn't have got in the team. So I was yeah. in our team and we were getting beaten all the time because we were playing bigger schools. Yeah. But I think just from play, just from wanting to be good, being so into football and playing every day, I think I just got just about okay at it to be able to play in the school team. But yeah, yeah. I think it was just from constant practice, basically. <laughs> Determination to be good at it, yeah. So you, 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 it took you 17 years to write Penknife. Yes, Is that right? yeah, yes from, right. from what you said to yeah, me. When, right, when, yeah. how, how did you set about writing? What, what was you, you decided you were inspired by Irving and others. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you thought, yeah. I'm going to write a novel. Yeah. How did you then go, this is this is how I'm going to structure it? Well, how, how I got onto that subject, well, I started writing some memories of, of that time. Yeah. Then what got me serious, I thought, I'm going to do a master's degree in fiction, in writing. Right, in fiction. okay. Yeah. Um, I'd already studied at Middlesex. In those days, this is 2003, it wasn't, 
it wasn't impossible money-wise. It was, you could afford it, but I got a discount because I'd already been at Middlesex. Yeah. And um, I'd written some poetry, I'd written some lyrics, and they invited me for an interview. And they said, well, you're very keen and everything, and, you know, your poetry's got some, you know, it's okay, but you need to write some fiction, you need to write something. And I hadn't really written anything. So I went off and I thought, well, what can I do? So I wrote about an ex- about a bail hostel, because I'd had that experience. And yeah, I thought, yeah. well, I got a bit sort of, well, you won't know, you won't know about that, <laughs> even if you, even if the quality's not that great. Yeah, yeah. This is something, I'm going to bring you some news, you won't have read about a bail hostel, yeah. because I had, and I've never heard of that, and even, yeah. you know, prison novels and stuff but I thought that halfway house thing I thought you won't know that so I did that and then that got me onto the course and then I um, for the dissertation of the MA I needed to do like a few chapters of a novel and um, I think well I thought well that the bail hostel bit was the clearly the middle of the novel and my original idea was how did I end up in that trouble so yeah. it's like where do I started and I thought well leaving school would be the moment really and that's why after many years of practice different throwing away bits of different drafts I got I came to the conclusion that to condense four years into two years and to say okay make out that it gets into the character gets into trouble quicker than I did and make it happen in happen in two years and try to have it in three phases really which is leading up to um, uh, being in Brightlingsea, being in a bow hostel, being in a jail and splitting yeah, yeah. into those three parts really. Yeah. So it, it was then because music which is what we said was yeah, quite yeah. central yeah, yeah. to theme, you, you specifically wanted to lead it in with the, the, the minor strike yeah, I think when I was, well, when I, well when, then when I thought about um, leaving school and that being the point, I left school in '84, and it was the case that um, coal was being sneaked in through small ports in Essex, uh, Brightlingsea, a uh, place called Wivenhoe, which is uh, about seven miles away on the, uh, the, yeah. that side of Colchester, yeah. um, to boost stocks. I mean, it was clearly it was thought well. It was called, the strike was provoked by Thatcher and at a time which was good for the government. It was it was coming up towards the summer. It was March, and if we boost stocks, then we're going to be even more in a better position to take them on. So I came back to that. My mum was always socialist, Labour Party feminist, and she did have um, we did have miners staying with us that summer, striking miners. Okay, yeah. And I when I thought, when I thought about starting the book in eighty four. I thought that would be really good because not many people would know about that either. People, yeah. A lot of people know about the strike, but that angle of no one would associate Essex with the minor strike. Yeah. So I thought that would be, I'd have something original there. And then I came across this book called Strike Breaking in Essex, which was all about that period and about the strike in Essex. And I thought, I don't know, I just put a lot of faith in that book. It was meant to happen. I found yeah, yeah. this book. It's like, and then I also, um, my mum was a boyfriend at the time who I'm still mates with, I'm mates with now. Yeah. Uh, he was involved in putting up the miners, uh, heavily involved in that angle of it. And a mate of his, who's also a friend of mine, was a um, was also having miners there and was in charge of like finding them places and stuff. And I was able to pick their brains for things that I couldn't remember. Because yeah. to be totally honest, I wasn't. I was support. I was very supportive, but I wasn't taking. It wasn't the, the total of my focus and attention at the time that summer so by having people to talk to I was able to like re rebuild that by yeah. uh, through, through sort of chatting with them and not picking their brains really 
So that's what I thought. I thought it would be that, that, that if I'm going to start in '84, why not pick? Why not use that? Really? Yeah, yeah. So you 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 were then got your theme. Did you structure out as this is the intro, this is this is the first part, this is the second, this is the third, or did you change the flow as you went along? You know, did did you? Some people were kind of like we'll write everything down and we'll follow that verbatim to the end, or were you adaptable and uh, you knew where you wanted to go and would change things from time I did to change time. quite a lot no I did change quite a lot I mean a mistake that I made was that I I tried to I wrote the first three or four chapters for my dissertation for the MA yeah and then they gave me some feedback on that but the mistake I made what well, I would now I would now doing it again I would probably try and push on further but I just got a bit obsessed with their with their take and I ended up spending oh, I wouldn't, it's embarrassing almost to say, but perhaps three years trying to redo those first few chapters and get yeah. them right yeah. rather than going to the end. So that yeah. was that's something I did. But um, yeah, I was adaptable. I knew where I wanted to end up, but I did, yeah. I was changing things quite a bit. I mean, there's lots of deleted scenes and stuff. Yeah. So how would you set about the process of writing? You know, if you did you, if you were working. Did you say I'm I'm gonna write at a certain time of the day or, you know, I, 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 I'm gonna do two hours yeah. a day? How, yeah, how yeah. did that get about? Because yeah. seventeen years is quite a long time yeah, to, to to write a book. It you know? is. It is. I mean, I, I was working, like I said, I was working night shifts, seven nights on, seven nights yeah. off, and it's like, in theory, that's a good. It's like because you, you got you then got a week off to write and whatever, but it's. It, it's much harder than that, that sounds because you come off seven nights, it takes you three and a half days to feel normal again. So really you're feeling normal three and a half days a fortnight. And that's the time I was trying to squeeze in the work to, yeah. uh, the writing. So um, that's part, I think that's partly why it took me so long. But then I stopped, I come off the nights in um, uh, 2013 and I was working more with my brother, self-employed. And that's when I was able to form a much better routine because it's like you weren't shopping and changing from night to day yeah. all the time. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, I was working quite a lot from home, so that's when I got into a proper routine of getting up early and, and writing before work, and then at weekend and at weekends as well. So that's when I really started to make some progress. Yeah. So when did you finish the book? Um, I finished in twenty twenty one. Okay. Yeah, um, that's when I was. Uh, my partner's from Spain, from yeah. a small village in Spain, and um, we, I spent quite a lot of time in the lockdown there, um, and that's a really good place to focus and to write. And then I think the summer of twenty one, it was like um, I just got about got my head down for like three or four months, and this re- worked on the final draft yeah. and finished around September on. I thought, and that was and that was it. And then I spent a few months going to agents and publishers, even though I knew that was so hard to get anywhere yeah, that way yeah. I thought I'd try it yeah, yeah yeah I did try it then eventually I went with a company called Silverwood a publishing company who where you sort of finance it but it's uh it works they do a professional job of it okay so that um, did you how, how were the how were you received by agents you know were there any that were interested no what, what was it complete, completely ignored really um they just don't even answer or anything. Yeah. And you spend quite a lot of time, you've got the writers and artists yearbook, go through that, try and adapt, you know, look at research them, try to adapt your approach. Uh, nothing, they just don't even, they don't, they don't even answer you, no. Yeah. It's pretty, um, 
not totally surprising, but it's still it's uh, it's a bit a little bit demoralising. And but I knew I was determined that it was, I was sure it was the best I could possibly make it. Yeah. And I was determined it was going to get out there one way or another. So if that didn't work that way, I was gonna I was gonna finance it and put it out there, yeah. and I did. Because see, you know, the, I think the best way in anything in life is the, the total DIY, yeah. punk ethics, and yeah, yeah. Uh, just yeah, get yeah, up there yeah. and do it. And because yeah. nobody will ever do it better than what you will do. No, you know, no, no, no. So the book came out. It was actually came out um, November twenty two. Yeah, I actually had a few copies a bit before that, but yeah, it was the, the official publication day was no November first twenty two. Yeah. How's it gone? It's gone really well, actually. I'm yeah. pretty pleased. I mean, um, uh, yeah, I sold a few hundred, which I'm, I'm really happy with. Um, it, it did well in Brightlingsea, which is where it was based. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, there's a shop there. That it's just not even. It's not even like a bookshop. It just sells cards yeah. and stuff like yeah. that. But they've 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 sold at least forty through there. I've sold quite a lot myself yeah. through publicising on social media yeah. and links through Facebook and people in writing C, but also other people who I don't you know who don't know me at all. So it's just spread had a reasonable reach considering I haven't had any professional help and I haven't uh, yeah. paid for any advertising or anything like that. Yeah. So I'm pleased. So I obviously want to push it a bit further if I can. But I'm pleased so far. It ended now. If I didn't sell any more, I would still think it was a you know decent show. Or, yeah. Yeah. But it's not going to end now because you've got a second novel, haven't you? In yes. It's, it's yeah. going to take a bit quicker than <laughs> yeah, seventeen yeah. years. That's yeah. I've started planning the planning a new one, and that yeah. will be uh, possibly the same character, but I'm more around the turn of the century. I'm thinking. Because right. I don't. I haven't spent much as I enjoy. Looking back at the eighties, having spent so much time in that period, researching, thinking, I didn't, I wouldn't want to just go jump forward a couple of years. I'm thinking more jumping forward fifteen odd years around yeah. the turn of the century. Before, um, I like this this idea of having one foot in the old world, one foot in the new technology world, and that sort of as the, as the times are changing in that way. Really, I think that's part of what I'm looking at getting at. Yeah. Thank you, Jim, for your time. Thanks just a lot, just to tell people where you can buy the book from. Yeah, you can buy the book if you can uh, contact me directly, which um, well, probably the best way is a Facebook page, which is Penknife Novel Jim, or find me on Facebook, uh, Jim Westover. Uh, website, penknifenovel.com, which has got um, uh, my email address and other details. You could also order it from any bookshop. Uh, Amazon, if you if you were that way inclined, but I'd rather you get you know probably the last option, uh, last resort. But uh, yeah, no, it, it it can be got from any of those places. Thank you, Jim. Thanks a lot, Rob. Really enjoyed it. <laughs>